Hi, this is Doug Bradley, Pinhead from the Hellraiser movies, and you're listening to the Midwest Monsters Podcast. And you'd better keep listening, or I will tear your souls apart. I'm excited. I'm sorry, I picked this topic. I love this movie. That's a scary movie a scary movie and it still affects me just the same i cannot put that on i gotta tell you something about this movie worked for me i was oh, like it rocked so i mean that's kind of that's debatable but i mean it's a great movie that you know i it's my right as a viewer as somebody who spends my money and time to go watch these films to have my opinions and be disappointed but that's what I love about about this group doing this podcast right now is that on so many pages <laughs> we're like right there with each other. But then I mean it, it's it's almost inevitable that uh, you know half the time we're going to go you're out of your mind. You are out of your mind. I'm sorry but that's <laughs> Welcome to the Midwest Monster Podcast. And now, here are your hosts. Good evening, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to another hilarious installment of the Midwest Monsters. Coming back at you with our third, I believe, Monster Mash. Some of you <laughs> may boy, old Mad Chance a giggly box tonight. Uh, we uh, This format, the way it works is we, we each picked a movie and forced the other two to watch it at gunpoint. Yep. And uh, this is what we talk about them. Stuff that wouldn't fit maybe in other genres or series or things like that. So um, why don't we first go around and introduce you to my friends. I am your host, Grizzly Admiral, and I'm joined by... Mad Jan, Chris Wagstaff. And bringing it live from 9 to 5. And uh, let's talk about what films we picked and why. So Mad Chan, tell us what you went with. Um, I believe I chose Attack the Block. You did. You did. Um, Attack the Block was that movie. It hit me at just the right time. I had heard about it through the grapevine. I uh, read a few reviews about it in um, different magazines. And I'd always, I'd been hearing about this, um, what was it, this Simon Pegg, Nick Frost alien movie that was coming out. Mm-hmm. And then I saw that Nick Frost was in this movie, Attack the Block. So I thought maybe Simon Pegg just had a cameo because usually they don't, they don't always put cameos as stars of the movie. I seen Nick Frost was in this, so I I rented this instead. The movie was Paul, but I mean yeah. I rented this instead, and um, well I eventually saw Paul, but then I watched this and I got I got so enthralled with it. I enjoyed it so much that it's one that I've just I just keep campaigning for. I really enjoyed this movie. Gotcha, gotcha, very cool. Uh, Professor, why don't you tell us a little bit about your movie? I picked Session 9 because I feel like it was one that kind of didn't get all that much attention. I feel like it's uh, picked up some steam on the internet a little bit. I thought maybe a handful, a portion of the listeners would have known it at this point um, and would like to hear us talk about it. And then maybe some have never even heard of it and might enjoy it. So I thought it would be a fun one to take a look at that um, really didn't fit in anything. So it seemed like a good choice for the match. Yeah. And what'd you pick, Chris? I went with, uh, gosh, a really, well, what I would call a sleeper hit, but uh, one that really went under the radar called Mask Maker. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way I found this was uh, we were just going through Netflix one night, and I go, huh, never heard of this. It's kind of a 
catchy description. And now I don't even think it's on Netflix Instant anymore. Um, I said, well, let's watch this. And so we did. And I really enjoyed it the first time around. Yeah. I'll, I'll, make, I'll have some comments about the second time around. I don't regret, regret picking it. But, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just one that caught me off guard. And I, I recommended it to some people right off the bat. And I got some good feedback. And people were like, yeah, that is a good movie. And I was like, I know, right? So I don't know how this one went under the radar. I kind of have some theories now. But uh, <laughs> the first time around, really, enjoy- we'll, we'll get to there when we get to there. Right but first off, let's, uh, Mad Chan, let's start with yours. Um, a film I really enjoyed, Attack the Block. Tell us uh, about it. 2011, um, starting a bunch of people that I had never heard of. I mean, I'm sure their names, where they're from. Uh, John Boyega, Jody Whitaker, Alex S- Ismail, Leon Jones, Franz Drama. Dude, and if I said anybody's name wrong and you're listening to the show, call us, dude. That's awesome. <laughs> but, you know, like if I... Um, directed by Joe Cornish. Written and directed by Joe Cornish. Um, this was one of those movies when I first saw it, like I said, I gave you the background on how I came about the movie. But watching the movie, you start out and you've got these these street thugs robbing a woman. And in the midst of them robbing this Which woman... we don't endorse. No, no, we don't endorse that at all tonight. And anyway... They're robbing this woman, and something crashes, and they go over, and these kids are so badass that they go over to investigate what crashed, and an alien pops out, and instead of being terrified and running home, they were like, nah, not on the block, man, no, and then they chase it down and kill it inside of a, (laughs) welcome to England, motherfucker. (laughs) I love that. He's like, nah, we on the block. Yeah. B L O C K. I mean, it it just got me from the go because these kids were like, not nah, gonna kill it. And then they drug it around they drug it around that with is them. one of my favorite scenes. They're just walking around with this thing like hanging off their back and it's like <laughs> bouncing. Like, it's so He's funny. just carrying it, dragging it along. People are like, Ooh, what's that? Oh yeah, that's yeah, I am with you right now. Yeah, on that dude. One. I mean, and that was that set the tone for the entire movie because these kids literally or just like they see more of these things crashing down, and it's not like we need to stay inside, we need to run and hide. They're like, we need to arm ourselves and go out and protect the block. And they go get swords and bats and chains and big knives. And this movie is why you had <laughs> weapons as a kid because you yeah. always imagined that this could happen. Really? I mean, it was totally like it was like totally like a it was like a you know an alien version of Red Dawn. You know what I mean? Oh, like, that's what I was about to say. I, yeah, I think we kept weapons because we were scared of Russian. <laughs> right. But, you know? Right. But still, it's like that notion. Like that's why you had like that's why you had like a, a really shitty knife under your bed. Like because you you just knew that one day this was coming to your block. And that's what they did. They they were pulling drawers out. And yeah, man. Getting all their hidden weapons. And their fireworks. I had a cache of fireworks. <laughs> oh yeah, all yeah. Time. Yeah, Jesus! I collected pencils. <laughs> we had we had sidearms and big knives. <laughs> Your pencils would have come in handy. I'm feeling uncomfortable at the moment. <laughs> I just right uh, this movie had a lot of great one-liners. But before I get to that, uh, Professor, good. Uh, I would categorize this as I like it a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, there's some things that kept me from loving it, and some yeah. that would keep me from watching it regularly. Like, but. Uh, no, I liked it a lot. It's yeah. got some, some a lot of things going for it. Absolutely, and the, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. But I'm not going to say that there weren't points that it didn't. I mean, it drugged at some points. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and I think that's just part of the, uh, perhaps not so much the the something to be lost in translation. It just kind of drug at some parts. Right but, on. But you know what? 
this was a treat. You can't really just expect it to be a home run. You know what I mean? Well, and that's the thing. To me, it kind of was, especially the part where we get to see the full-blown aliens for the first time, and you see the glowing, and you think it's yeah. eyes, and he's just like, oh, look at its eyes. And he's like, that's not its eyes, and it opens it up, and it's its mouth. Yeah. Oh, no. guys, it was a butthole. <laughs> that whole <laughs> movie, those were glowing buttholes. <laughs> glowing buttholes? Uh, those so glowing. it was like the reverse of teeth. Yeah, yeah those <laughs> glowing teeth were awesome. <laughs> they, they were really were. Awesome. It, reminded me, it reminded me of kind of the uh, gimmick that used to be used in older horror films. Whether, you know, you had like um, yeah, some of the older good. Sherlock Holmes with the phosphorus and the glowing hellhounds. Uh-huh. Right, right. Um, yeah. contrast. Yeah, yeah. I, and I thought the the way it was set up in this was really just awesome. I thought that even the choice to have it blue but leave a lot of mystery to the object yep, totally. with all the black... I thought kept it interesting. I don't know. I it, that that was the best part about it for me. Right. Was how they, the decisions that led them to how these creatures looked. I thought that was the best thing about the movie. Like, yeah. I constantly loved seeing the screen time with them because they didn't cheap you on it. Nope. So, um, yeah, just some of the lines here coming through, like you know, it's like, oh my, look, it's raining golem. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was so good in like. And one of them's like, "Oh, look, we have to, we, we gotta catch them all." And the other one says, "Man, this ain't Pokemon." See, I, I just gotta say, that this is where I depart from you guys because I thought the humor was just wretched. And oh, I loved it. I loved it. Which usually for British humor, I've got, you know, I'm doubled over. But for this, I was just kind of like, "Man, just get back to the monsters." <laughs> I agree with you about the one liners. It's like, "What's Ron's weed room?" He's like, "It's a room. It's filled with weed. It's Ron." <laughs> I'm get, see, <laughs> it's a room. I do like the Gollum one though. And look, that. it's just, and he's like, he's like, oh, text him and tell him what's going on. And he goes, oh, this is too much madness to explain in one text. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all talking about, and that lets you know it was 2011, but they were talking about how many minutes they had left. He's like, no, nah, dog, I'm not wasting I'm my out. last text on right, this. Right, right, yeah. Dude, do you remember when that boy? He said it smells like shit. Took a shit. <laughs> Wasn't that the line when they killed the first alien? <laughs> He's like, it smells like shit. Took a shit. <laughs> this movie was filled with it. Dude. Oh, yeah. The, was... kids, the kids were good. They were all good actors. They they played the, they each played their parts very well. Right. Very well. Um, <laughs> and I love the little, little kids that were like oh, wanting yeah. to earn their street He's cred. like, nah, man, I'm mayhem. Yeah, mayhem. <laughs> he was that like, was and that one point he's starting to justify it. He's like, he's like, are you ever going to live up to the name mayhem if you're too scared to do anything? <laughs> I go when he builds the gun out, they just take it from him. <laughs> and it he's turns like, out to be a cap gun. Yeah. And he's trying to, try to get them. It's like, pop. He's like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Um, other other scenes that really stood out to me. Uh, the kid has got his helmet on and the aliens rip his helmet head off and it goes flying through the door. Yeah. Uh, uh, Barker was over here watching it with me. And I think we re- we rewound that like three times. To watch <laughs> he just, his head just flies through that door. Oh, um. Man. The bloody elevator scene was good. Mm-hmm. The head gangster. Yeah. That was awesome. That was awesome. When you're like, oh, he's done for. And then he just comes out of that. That's, yeah. That was good. I, I thought I had ESP. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right. He, he was like, you coming into my hood? Nah. Yeah. I thought I had ESPN on, but it was the movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, oh, man, that just sank in. Um, <laughs> I, I thought it was shot beautifully. Really? Oh, yeah, definitely. For a director that a from what it appeared like, just as television work. Although, so. British television's a little bit different. But, More involved, um, yeah. I thought it was really well shot for a movie 
in a city landscape, especially over there at night. It was very colorful. I don't know. I, I oh, that, no, it that really was one of my favorite right, things right. about it was how it was shot. Um, one of my disappointments with the movie was I thought that some of the older performers and, and more seasoned actors in there, not that there was anybody in the cast that had been a ton of stuff, really didn't spruce it up to help the kids out. I thought that the kids did their job, and they they were good at oh, it. Oh, yeah, But yeah. I felt like the adults were flat and didn't really separate the difference. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like I, I don't know. I just I didn't get much out of, like, the girl that they attacked and her yeah, performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when she comes to help them and she ends up going with yeah. them. And, and right, I, right. I felt like if there had been somebody a little bit more colorful in one of the adult roles, that would have... Right made the movie just fly by. Well, so, uh, the they uh, there was a fun. colorful adult. His name was Nick Frost. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think go that far. <laughs> See, and that's the thing, though, because he had been in... He had, he had had all those roles. I mean, I thought Nick Frost did a good job, but I can see what you're talking about, how everybody was flat. But to me, it just kind of added that that's why... I mean, I felt like everybody else was... I didn't think they were flat at the time. I see what you're saying now, but it was like... The kids were the stars. Like they're we're yeah, the badasses. See, I've, so I've if somebody else feeling. would have stepped up, then it seems like it would have pulled focus from the five badasses see, I that were running around. I feel like it would have fueled them. Oh, okay. I feel okay. like if, if, okay. if, if I feel like if some of the performances from the adult figures, not to make them more focal points of the film, but like they just seem like they didn't care. Right, like I the, didn't even get anything from it. And when you have a whole that many people on a set that have never been in anything. Some of those kids in this movie, that's their only listing. They haven't been in anything since yeah. or before. And a first-time director of a feature. I just I felt like if some of the, the older performers in there would have given a little bit more to it. And maybe they couldn't. Maybe that was just what they were given with direction and, and the plot. But that, that was my only real complaint. I thought the kids were good, but that there wasn't anything for them to really bounce off of, except fighting, you know, the fighting the monsters. cause, yeah, the monsters. Fighting, fighting so daily. that was my only complaint. I still like the movie a lot, though. Yeah, I like the movie a lot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, mean, I, I kind I, of err on your side, Matt Chan. I think you know, this is not to upset you, Professor. I know you don't I'm like being opposed, and you'll probably <laughs> fist fight me after this. But uh, <laughs> take you out back and go to fisticuffs, dude. Fisticuffs. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that. To me, the the adults were flat in order to rise the, raise the kids up. Because if we've you seen have, that before in eighties movies. Well, again, yeah, because if you have seasoned actors around a group of a group of non seasoned actors and first timers, yeah, yeah. Sometimes it's like they're trying to they're giving the best performance they can give, and they're the stars of the movie. But you know, it's like um, I don't know if if all the like if the Fratellis would have been more in Goonies. Mm-hmm. I mean, those kids were seasoned actors. Don't get me wrong, but you see what I'm saying, like. The Fratellis did just enough. We got just enough from all the the other characters. And this is kind of how I feel about it. I kind of got that Goonies vibe, and that's why I brought that particular movie up. Here. Because you get that kind of, we're on an adventure. Nah, dog, we're going to save our town. Yeah. They were trying to save their neighborhood. These guys were trying to save their neighborhood. And like Super 8, too. Yeah, I mean, well, very, yeah, yeah Kind yeah, of a yeah. Super 8 feel, too. Yeah, yeah, I, I see what you guys are saying. I just, but I but I also agree with you that there, there are other oh, movies. Okay. No, it's either him or me, dog. you got to pick one right now. But there, there are other movies where a great adults lift up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I, I go with you, too. It's just, and also, what I'm getting at is the same thing you guys are getting at, though. Which yeah. is just, like, I feel like if the the older people showed more of a reaction, whether it's opposing 
or the same as the kids, then we really see the kids sheltered togetherness. Right. You see what I'm saying? Like, okay. there was just nothing from them. So it's just like we're in the kids' world that's basically like they're just running shit and that's it. There's nobody there. We've clearly upset this man. No, oh, no. Well, like, no look, what you did, Chris. look what you did. I chose to tag the block because it was fun. You turned it into political, man. I'm not doing this anymore. Choose inside. You, you, well, can, if it you makes can view it, me as mad. I'm just clarifying. Well, it's okay. Y'all about to really upset me in a minute. So, uh, so. One last thing I do want to say about this is oh. I love that with the big finale and the, you know, the leader kid making his big move that you close with him hanging from a British flag. It's like it, it was such a symbolic thing. He's like, this, he's like, this is this is our block. This is our country. Like, they, <laughs> right, because right, they right. knew it would get widespread play in America. Oh yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah. So they're like, you know, look, UK can make good films too. So I thought that was a pretty cool, <laughs> a pretty cool ending scene. I agree. I agree. Um, so if you haven't seen Attack the Block, man, we we didn't cover more than half of it. We usually don't on these type of shows. We yeah, discover yeah. go around the basis. But definitely check out Attack the Block if you haven't. Um, you can find it in most video stores if your town still has a video store. If not, it is on Amazon. You can pick it up. Check out your Ebays. All right. All right. Is that all we want to say about Attack the Block? That's all I've got to say about it. I just want people to go check it out. All right. Very good. Very good. Well, let's move on. Uh, just because I have them in this order here, let's move on to a little film that I picked called Mask Maker. Uh, Matt Chan, do you have the facts on this one? Uh, one second, I will get there. All right, bring it was, I know it was filmed in 2000. I know it was released in 2010, I believe. <laughs> I'm trying to get there right now, dog. I'm sorry. You're the facts man. I am usually the facts man, and I'm usually way better at it than you. Don't even have your facts machine. I don't even have my I'm, fa the, I'm the face. You're the facts man. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that my job here? Is that what I do? <laughs> All right, guys. We're looking at Mask Maker. We're looking at 2010. Um, starring Stephen Coletti, Nikki DeLoach, Annabelle Casanova, Ross Britz, Terry Kaiser. Anybody know who Terry Kaiser is? Uh -huh. Raise your hand. Terry Kaiser. Bernie Lomax. Bernie Lomax. Weekend oh, yeah. at Bernie's. Oh! Terry Kaiser. <laughs> what else was Terry Kaiser in? Um, I don't know. Kaiser Sose. Kaiser so Who is Kaiser Who is Kaiser Sose? We got a little bit of Michael Berryman coming out. Yes. Berryman was so A little good bit of Treat this. Williams. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's Cat Williams' brother. Treat Williams has... <laughs> he's a prick in everything, <laughs> for the most part. Yes. He is uh, not a treat. He is not a treat. Directed by Griffin ass. first, written by what they describe as Eric Miller and others. And what that means is Eric Miller and others means that somebody took Eric Miller at the first pass at it. And had the main story, and other people came in to polish that script. Okay. Um, it's your film, so go ahead and tell us so a So really, about it. a lot of nobodies in this movie, mm -hmm. yeah. for the most part. And that, that was another thing that kind of drew me in. But there was first. a lot of there. There were a lot of somebodies too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure they blew most of their budget on Michael Berryman. Mm -hmm. uh, and Terry Kaiser. Yeah, Kaiser mm -hmm. Sose. And. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, I think. If I could make a good description of this movie, I think it is uh, Friday the 13th meets Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Thank you! That's my note! Yeah, I think it really is. And that, that's my but, only note. <laughs> that's all that the mad one wrote for this one. But um, but in a respectful way, in my opinion. Um, I think that it had shades of those enough, but was not a direct rip-off of them. Um 
so that's that's like kind of my initial reaction to it. Um, you've got uh, we start out with this young couple in college, and it's her birthday, and everybody's acting all sketchy. You know, like oh, everybody forgot my birthday, <laughs> and then her boyfriend takes her out. He's like, look, I bought you this house. And it, She's like, you dumb piece of shit. Yeah, it really it, that's, that, it's really dumb for like she mad as she, she real is mad, real dude. mad. She mad. Right, and the house kind of looks like the house from Chainsaw Remake. It does, it's almost that identical. House, yeah. Um, so, so you get out there, and then their friends come, and this or that. But you start out with this interesting scene of like this crazy lady speaking French, which we realize later she's doing some voodoo or voodoo, um, and you kind of get that backstory, which I typically like a good voodoo story. Didn't really appreciate the voodoo story in this because yeah. it's not voodoo enough for me. Um, and it really seemed out of place at times. Yes, and that's in my notes they made here. A, they made a much bigger deal out of it than it actually was in the movie. Yes, and I also make the point here, and, and Mad Chan, I'm really, I bet you'll back me up on this, there's kind of an old-timey plot hole here. Because when you go back to those old scenes, it looks a lot more old-timey between that period. I'm using old-timey as an adjective here. It was supposed <laughs> to be 50 years ago, and they were dressing like they were in the 1890s. Exactly. Exactly, and and so like it doesn't maintain that consistency. But I'll let that slide. Well, and it doesn't maintain consistency between how the age of what Michael Berryman's character would be and Treat Williams and those exactly. guys, what their characters would be, and how they are now versus how they were when they when they interacted with this family before. Couldn't agree more. So yeah, more. That, so that that, that, was that a is a that is a yeah, that, yeah, that's a downfall. But yeah. then again, I mean. We are talking about a slasher film, you know. So yeah, well, it's a you, you got There's got to be a suspension of belief for some of it. Um, so they go out to the house, and then of course the things kick in with the mask maker, the young man who had the bad face because, and then that's why the whole voodoo spell was going on. Da, 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 da. So this guy kills people and takes their face. How would he get resurrected? <laughs> oh, uh, it's a, it's a total Friday the Thirteenth ripoff. How would he get resurrected? Uh, they pull that stake pull out. Pull the stake out of the ground. Right. So this stake was keeping him there. What about the rapey electrician who starts hitting on the kids? The word rapey a lot tonight. <laughs> <laughs> the rapey electrician who, who like catches the guy in the cemetery after right. he's already freaked out. He's like, hey. That's how we do things around here. Yeah, he's like, <laughs> I ain't mad if you're a little jumpy. He's like, you got soft features. <laughs> I mean, like, it's really weird. He's really rapey. He is really rapey. And uh, so, <laughs> um, oh, man. towards another man. Uh, uh, so, um, anyway, so, yeah, they pull that stake out. And evidently the stake is what held the the magic juju that kept him in now, the ground. Now, what was the juju? I, was that skin? Was that flesh? I mean, what was the juju? That was rotting on the stick. You know what? That's what's interesting about this is that voodoo is what she was trying to save him with. And ultimately, the people who didn't do voodoo had the stick with voodoo that kept him dead. You see what I'm saying here? Yeah. Yeah, it was a dumb movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. It's you know movie. what? Go you ahead. make that point, but I do want to say here, I love this the first time around. Second time around is when these plot holes were gaping right. for me. But I, it's still an enjoyable film. Well, you get the, you get the initial kill with the screwdriver. And then we wait. Then we play the waiting game a for a way. while. Yeah, it's a long way. And uh, so you're like, what's going on? And then we kind of reset it up to where not only did her boyfriend buy her a house that they're going to flip and yeah. make tons yeah. of money yeah. on, but now all her friends are out there. Because I think somewhere along the, along the lines, they were like, no, you've got to bring in at least four more people or this is going to be dumb. 
Yeah, right. And and they do. They they literally bring they can, in two more people or four more people, and they're like, two of them are a couple. Then they make the other two a couple, as in a la every Friday the Thirteenth movie. Right? Two people hook up. Shit happens. So I don't know. That was the working title for this. <laughs> two people hook up. Shit happens. Mm-hmm. Right yeah. on. Um, you heard us say that Michael Berryman is in the film. He does a great job. And ladies and gentlemen, Michael Berryman plays a normal person in this mm-hmm. movie. Yeah, dude. And I, I give it up for the fact that he didn't have a weird accent. He wasn't somebody's sidekick. He wasn't on a motorcycle. He was a monster. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Literally, he's just the guy who runs this very kooky sweet. store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet, yeah. Sincere man. Which I think most horror fans enjoy seeing him get to do that. Yeah. He's just a sincere person. Yeah. It's nice to yeah. see him get a little respect Absolutely. on screen. Absolutely. But uh, my my early on notes just say that I just start drawing the chainsaw conclusion just way too early. Like the, pull, pulling the masks off and uh, wearing them. I you know, you like it was like Texas chainsaw 3D where none of the time makes sense. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, <laughs> right, it makes two. It makes yeah, two connections, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. But I do want to make this point that the whole thing with him making the masks and wearing them because his face is distorted, we don't get that until Chainsaw Remake. Because we never are under the impression the original chainsaws that Leatherface has a bad right. face. Right. Yeah. That doesn't come into lore until the remakes and beginning. So I'm not. I'm not. Which I mean, no, no, this was still after that. Yeah. So this, I saw this yeah. after that, so that's why yeah. I started drawing those conclusions. Yeah. But yeah. then when my Friday the Thirteenth, when my Friday the Thirteenth instinct started kicking in, I started banging my head off the couch. Well, let's talk about the biggest one. Well, the what the, the, where his head slides down the where his deformed head slides down the pole. I allowed the machete in part four. Oh no, I'm thinking more about oh, mother. Mother, yeah. yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. <laughs> no, dude, that's not a spoiler alert. Yeah. You knew it was going to happen. They make clear. No, they want you to know that from the very beginning. Yeah, it's like if you don't pick up on that, I'm not saying that you, you're dumb, but come on, dude, like. <laughs> <laughs> but they do. They make that very clear from the beginning that this is mother, and that's why he saves her. And I don't know. But I am willing to say this. I'm willing to boldly stand here and say this. Uh, as we look at the, the modern day slasher series, hatchets, chrome skulls, collectors, um, I would support a mask maker sequel because I, I think the lore is good enough. Mm-hmm. Personally, Professor, we haven't heard from you on any of this. Yeah, sorry, man. Uh, Go ahead. Uh, tell one of us to shut up. Hey, thanks for letting me be on the show, guys. <laughs> Welcome to the show. We've already long said time listener, up. first time guest. Um, <laughs> this reminds me of when we had poor Oz on the Halloween show, and we literally we would literally just run through each entry in the Halloween series, and, and like, then we get to him, we'd be like, we literally have covered everything from trivia to plot lines <laughs> to cast. We're still anything sorry, you'd Oz. like to add. We're sorry. <laughs> um, you were a great, you were a great guest, and I like that you guys picked movies that you drew. Um, comparisons to right. I for me, I feel like you guys left out one, which was Bridges of Madison sure. County, <laughs> with the rustic setting and an hour of nothing happening. <laughs> and I'll say this: uh, Grizz recommended this to me a couple years ago. Me too. And I watched it and loved it. And I still, first, I loved it the first yeah, time. I still like it a lot. But oh, I didn't yeah. like it as much. Yeah. When I watched it, I was like, I'm really bored Me through the too. through the meat of the movie. Yeah. Like, And I don't know if it's just because they didn't have the money or they just didn't want to kill off that many people. But I just felt like it really drug in parts. Um, I really liked the physical acting of, you know, the main killer. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With the way he did that. Um, the mask looked cool. 
The lore was interesting. It was fun. Do we all know who the physical killer was? I don't remember. It's Jonathan Breck, the same guy that plays the Creeper in Jeepers Creepers. Oh, right on. It, no, he, he did a great job. Dude. I'm yeah. glad he moved on to better films. Well, oh, did he make Jeepers Creepers after this? Just kidding. Um, I, I'll, I'll just say this. Another thing I did like was all the day, all the daytime horror. I always respect yes, that. Yes, yes. I, I, it's a nice change. I mean, we sit and watch endless movies that take place in the dark. It's just nice to see something like that. I feel like it's more effective sometimes in the yeah. way they did it. It certainly was. And that main guy was dreaming. So that's all I got on this. The main guy was dreaming? Mm -hmm. He was, wasn't he? He was. Was he on a TV show or something? I have no clue. I, I don't think I've ever seen any of these people before, and I was kind of mad when we didn't see her boobies. I figured he was on Dawson's Creek or one of those. I Stephen... don't want to wait. <laughs> you guys really don't know? Oh, man, you're going to make me be the bad guy. He was, he's on One Tree Hill. There you go. <laughs> that, was, that was a blind guess, I promise you. Yeah. Yeah. He's just too good looking to not be on one of those. We really just threw one high and outside so that Matt Chan <laughs> rim shot. <laughs> Matt Chan's like, man, you know I watch them shows. <laughs> I ain't, <laughs> ain't going to say anything about him and his several several episode run on One Tree Hill. <laughs> um, one last thing I want to say about this. Oh, um, let's say more than last things. Let's keep going. Okay. Uh, I love the ending. Oh, the surprise ending? Yeah. Not. <laughs> That's a note. That's a note. Not. That's a note. This suit is black, not. <laughs> uh, this ending is surprise, not. Um, no, I, I loved it. I, I thought it was great the first time around. And second time around, I was like, oh, yeah, I kind of remembered that happening. Uh, <laughs> so he lives on. So the sequel's possible. It doesn't matter if he doesn't live on. As we know in horror movies, anything yeah. can happen. Now, here's the reason I think I didn't dig I'm, the mask I'm, maker. I'm making my announcement now. I'm making the second. <laughs> awesome. It Kickstarter. Dude, I got Jonathan Breck, I got Jonathan Breck on speed now. All right. Let's call him. Uh, no, but here's my thing about this, okay? Let's throw this out here. I think the reason, and maybe you understand me, I didn't enjoy this movie as much, was because since we've been doing this show, I've watched a lot of slashers and a lot of other horror movies that I previously hadn't seen and a lot of horror movies that I had seen when I was younger and have come back to. And in the realm of slashers, I've seen some awesome slashers. And so watching this movie to watching this movie for the first time, I had seen so many better things. And I think that's why. No, just overall, just since we've been doing this show. So that was kind of one of the things that took me out of it. And I think you guys are have both stated that upon your first viewing a few years ago, you liked the movie. And this time it wasn't as good. I think it's because you've seen better slashers since then. Well, I With think the well, same. Would, okay, let me, let me clean that up for you and make okay. sure I understand you. You're saying you revisited better slashers. I've, I've, yeah. Because I'm just saying the bigger point I want to make, and I think Professor will back me up on this, is he modern day. Modern day, whose side are you on? Think about it before I finish this sentence. Modern day, what? Um, there's not a lot of hold, that holds up to it. I think that what I liked about it was that it was unoriginal enough to be catchy, and original enough to be entertaining. Unoriginal enough to be catchy, original enough to be entertained. For me, eight days a week is Hatchet. And I'm sorry, I'll give it to Hatchet over this movie ten times out of ten because everybody's trying now. 
like don't get me wrong because everybody wants that next great thing i'm yeah. talking about you're right i went back and revisited old slashes that i hadn't seen in a while that i think hold up a little bit better mm-hmm. than this because the format that they follow we immediately pointed out two movies that done that they blat- almost blatantly ripped off and it's not a rip off because it's their story i think uh i think we're drawing comparisons we don't need to i think okay i think I, that's fair i and that's Here's why I say that is because, like, for instance, a recent one that we mentioned, and I mean, I absolutely love Hatchet, but Hatchet is trying to pay, like, you know, homage to classic slashers. There's a lot of humor. The court, the kills are absolutely ridiculous. It's, right. It's designed to be fun. Um, with Mask Maker, I felt like they tried to make a, at times, subtle, not always, clearly, because he's wearing people's faces, but... Right. It's it's got build up, you know what I mean. They really try to tell a story, and and that's why I still respect it. My only thing was saying that was that when I first saw it, I just went nuts for it because I'd never heard of it. It was recommended to me, and it just kind of blew me away. Usually, when we're catching new stuff like this, it's like we make excuses for it, and I didn't need one for this, and that's why I liked it. Like I didn't have to go, yeah, well, you know, it's got this, this, and this wrong with it, but. It's cool. It's a fun movie. Like I thought that this was taken seriously and well made. So, so that's part of why I like it, and I don't need to compare it to a Chrome Skull or a Hatchet because it wins its own battles. Mm-hmm. Like it's not going to compete with Hatchet's kills. Mm-hmm. Like it's just not going to. Yeah. But it doesn't need to. And Hatchet isn't trying to compete with its serious tones to it. I mean, there's just. Literally, to build off what I said earlier, it's literally night and day. I mean, this is just a different kind of movie, and that's why I like it, is that I feel like it kind of took the formats of a slasher picture and completely threw them out the window and reinvented and made it, you know, its own movie. And at this point in time, if I can watch a slasher movie that's been made after, like, 2000, that's original, isn't laced and ridden with CGI, and just made absolutely completely lowbrow i re, you know i think that's awesome so like i just applaud it for its own individual movie mm-hmm. like if you go into it to to compare it which i know by nature it's fun to do right it's just it's there's the only reason i say it is i feel like we can't give a fair comparison to listeners who haven't seen these movies and might go watch one based on that you know what okay, i'm saying okay, like i got you like, no no i respect that so but that's just my stance on it i like it for itself like i think it's a solid movie and well made we heard the professor's thoughts. We heard mine. Greg's final thoughts. You know, I uh, I think Professor always makes a, a good addition to the team. Oh, here. get <laughs> off your knees! Just start, just start you saying I, what you mean, bro. Because you and I are always, you know, always off in one direction or the other, and uh, he, he brings it home. Brings it home. Uh, yeah, I I enjoyed it. Uh, Budweiser talk. <laughs> Budweiser. Um, <laughs> Jack Daniels, if you please. Where's Vinny? Um, <laughs> yeah, where is Vinny when we need him? Uh, you know, uh, I like this movie. I enjoy it, but I, I am readily willing to admit that, like I said, it's it just the second time around kind of drug. But we made that same point about uh, Behind the Mask. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, we made, we made that about. Yeah, we made that and, point and about. Wrong, I'm not trying to compare this to Behind the Mask. I think Behind the Mask is a better movie. Mm-hmm. It's both have mask in the title. There's the connection. But. Uh, <laughs> You know what, though? <laughs> Honestly, those could that could be a couple that would be better compared because there is a lot of build-up. I see what you're of, saying. Yeah. Yeah so. yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, there's that. 
So nothing. rush out and see behind the or mask maker. I would. Yes, I would. If you're listening to this show, watch it. Mask maker. Yeah, yeah, you're ready. You're ready. You'll yeah. enjoy it. Uh, yeah, and I think most people will like it. Okay. Yeah. So that brings us to our third movie on the list. Session nine, which was chosen by the professor. It came out in 2001, starring one of my favorite actors of all time. Don't say it. Josh Don't. Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> I kept yeah. waiting on him to be like, so I can kiss you whenever I want. I love <laughs> like the I loved him in Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, David Caruso. We also had Josh Lucas. We had David Caruso, Brandon Sexton the third, and a Stephen uh, Gavinon. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. I'm not trying to mess it up. I don't either. I'm just going to laugh at you every time you say it. <laughs> Steven, <laughs> give it on. Say it again. <laughs> give it on. <laughs> but anyway, he's one of the writers. <laughs> he plays Mike, but he's also one of the writers of the movie with Brad Anderson, who directed it. 2001, Session 9, Professor. Uh, I love the tone of it. I love that it does a lot of uh, different things to it with um, the score, the way it's shot. It's got a very dark gloomy consuming feel yeah. to it yeah which is what which is why i like it the most even i mean like i don't know if you guys will have a problem with the ending i know some people will um but to me that's not even important is this it, gonna this be one is, of those movies where we tell the ending because i i feel like it's a, personally i think it's fine i mean as, okay. as you get later in the film i think many you know season movie viewers are going to have a general idea of what's headed their way maybe not specifically i just didn't i didn't know how far we were going to go with this one because it was one of those ones that i kind of got into i feel like we're gonna have to to at least for me kind of defend why i'm okay with it okay like you i mean i may not need to defend it to you guys but just to to explain why i don't have a problem with an ending that a lot of times i do in other films right on um we're kind of have to address it specifically so sorry i wasn't trying to interrupt that's not how far we were going um, I historically dislike David Caruso. Yeah, me too. Uh, nothing changed in this. Nope. But it, it wasn't a problem. He he played it straight. He was fine in it. Um, but I, I don't enjoy him, especially when he solves a murder every week in Miami. Yeah, um, so, been a murder in a city. See, my favorite David Caruso joint has been uh, Rambo, First Blood, Part 1. <laughs> I loved oh. him in NYPD Blue. <laughs> but go ahead. We keep interrupting the professor. Um, I just, I think it's... Why'd you look at me and say, go ahead? I thought it was my turn to talk. Oh, you go ahead. You go ahead. No, no. no. I've been admonished. It's your turn to talk. Um, I just, I like the storytelling. I like how it kind of consumes you. It, it, it's one of those movies where at times you feel like, it's like, are they messing with my brain? Like with these sound effects and just quick blurt outs of something and then it's gone and back to normal like are they telling me different stories to mess with my brain am i gonna understand this movie in 10 years out of nowhere but uh man chad's looking at my notes again yeah Um, we're creeping on his notes (laughs) uh but yeah there's there's a lot of things about this movie i like but i'd rather let you guys share some of your reasons since i picked the movie all right well old mad chan's giving me the point here um so I watched this movie for the first time based on a recommendation from our good friend, Justin Daggy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the first time around, I thought I didn't like it. And I'll tell you why, and, and we discussed this earlier, but I thought it was it falls under that category of what I hate in movies, and that's the, the 
the poorly done twist ending of, Oh, look, I was the crazy one all along. I'm the killer. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it was, um, I thought it was Secret Window. Well, guys, there's the end. <laughs> I thought it was Secret Window. I thought it was High Tension. I thought it was Shutter Island. I thought it was, the, the list goes on. Um, but the second time around, I realized that it never tried to not be that movie. Whereas the other ones did. The other yeah. ones tried to tell you that there was a killer. Yeah, I wasn't trying to misguide you. Right. The other movies tried to tell you there was a killer. But, oh, look, actually, no, it was the storyteller all along. The My Bloody Valentine remake. You know what I mean? Right. Like, all of those sorts of things. Um, but the second time around, I really appreciated this movie. Because that's, the, the first time around, I loved everything about the movie except for that. Second time around, I kind of chilled out and I realized that this never this movie never tried to not be that. Basically, in this movie, you're trying to figure out who the killer is. You know it's one of these guys. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. Yeah. So, that put me back in the movie. And uh, I got to say, what what's, uh, is it Tosh that does Redemption? Like, this <laughs> was the redemption for me. Like, I watched good. this. I watched this and I go, man, this is a good movie. And the ending is not as dumb as I thought it was the first time. So, um, yeah, I love the dark mood. I love that they're in that asylum. I always love a good asylum film. Um, probably because I went to Waverly Hills one time. And, it's and I like that there's a reason for them to be there. Mm-hmm. Like, I know that that's not that hard to come up with, but it's still at works. There's a reason for these guys exactly. to be in there alone. Right, it's, they're, they're, they're not, not ghost in, hunters. Yeah, exactly. yeah, they're, they're, not, not, they're not just in there fooling around and discover something. Right, and take like, an artifact they're, they're home. Literally, like, they're literally yeah. working in this building. Yeah, and, that, and yeah. there's just little things like that that just make this, to me, a well-rounded smart movie right and it adds so much to it like um we go back to like rosemary's baby and all of the feel that was going into just that isolation Mm -hmm. these guys are isolated in that big asylum they're stressed out they're having all these problems you know what i mean like all of them have their own personal things that they're bringing to the story and it's just it's good yeah like it really is i mean it's not something i'm going to watch every year but uh yeah me every month not every year (laughs) uh Matt Chan. Um, I kind of got lost in the story a little bit. Um, I liked a lot of these characters, but uh, it was sad for me because I came into this movie and started <laughs> watching notes, it. Hi <laughs> I came into this movie and I started watching it with three very already defined characters in my head, which I never really do, but Josh Lucas is loved him in Sweet Home is Alabama. that Sweet Home Alabama character to me. So every time I see him, like Man. I said, I do the I so I can kiss you whenever I want. Like and I know that's the but, kid saying that, but anyway. But but Brandon Sexton <laughs> Brandon Sexton is the um he's always the kid from he's either Empire Records, like Warren, we brought up Warren, Warren, Warren I work here. <laughs> he's either Warren I work here or he's um Boys Don't Cry to me. And I and then Boys um Boys don't Really? And then Caruso's always anybody but who he's playing in the movie. Sorry, yeah. Um So I came into this he movie so a little bit different, and I think the thing I think the thing for me was I searched after we had decided we were going to do this movie. I searched high and low for this movie, and I couldn't find it. It came out circa 2001. It's no longer in print. Um, there, as in they don't print it anymore. Like it's not. You're going to see no new copies of it unless they eventually do a Blu-ray. If, I don't know if they have one, but I know that they don't pr- produce new copies of it. I couldn't find it at a video store. I couldn't find it online. I couldn't find it. Or I couldn't find it online to watch. I couldn't find it on the Netflix. So I had to get this movie from the professor. And so by the time I tracked this movie down to watch it for the first time, 
I had already had an ill feeling towards this movie. Mm -hmm. And it's nothing against the movie itself, but going into it with these characters and this ill feeling, I don't think I gave it the proper... I don't think I gave it the proper viewing that it should have had. And I can say that, because watching the movie, I got rather bored with a lot of things in the movie because I was already upset with the situation leading into the movie. So I'm not the best one to talk about this, but I do agree with these guys. It's definitely one that you should check out. At least check it out. Like, draw your own conclusions from it because there's something hidden in this story. The, the characters, the way they interact with each other, and the different levels at which they interact. And there's sub-stories going on, like with um, Caruso and Josh Lucas and the fact that Lucas had stolen his girlfriend, you know, and then um, Brandon Sexton is homeboy's nephew. I mean, there's the, the, yeah, right, and they've got to get the, they've got to get this job done in a certain time to get this bonus. I mean, there's a lot of sub stories going on in it that kind of help flush other things out. They there's added stress factor, and that leads to the story itself. And so they're working the, around bad chemicals, right, right, and they're, they're removing asbestos, and I mean. Well, and that, I think, leads to a point here. I mean, we don't want to do... It's not spoiler, spoiler. Right, but, right, I mean, right, but, right. But, but we, I mean, this gets to the next point of, is this a I'm crazy film or a possession film or um, a poison chemical film, well, you know? like Real quick, why don't we let the professor explain what Session 9 actually means to the film? Because yeah. well, we no, talked a lot about right, the characters. Right. Oh, well, but, the... The, session, the creepiest part of the film. In my yeah, opinion. yeah. The, which is another one of the little side stories because what I really like <laughs> about this is that you're, as the viewer, learning about the people that are in the building to do this job while the people that you're learning about are learning about the building and what's going on there. So there's all these little side stories that kind of keeps the story fresh as, as you go. This uh, Session 9 is referring to the different sessions that are taped of a patient that had been there, which, as the story progresses, you learn plays a pivotal part in what I deem this as is a possession movie mm -hmm. in a very different way of showing it, um, which is why I like it, because I feel like you've got a ghost-haunted movie, um, but you also have that, you know, you've got kind of the, the trapped group murder mystery kind of thing going yep. on often one by one so like there, it's just very a, ri a very rich movie um, in terms of storytelling and genres that this can fit into um, I personally view it as a possession movie how would you guys view this as I didn't know how to view it until I literally started talking to a professor earlier today like en route to our recording session and it was one of those hey man What's going on with this movie you picked? <laughs> I, I thought yeah. I had an idea, but I needed to know where everybody else was coming from because I didn't know if my ideas were, were there or not. So it was it's definitely a movie that makes you think. Like, I can see Possession Movie now, after we had talked about it. Before, I really wasn't sure what I was looking at. I'm with Matt Chan on this. I really didn't view it as a Possession film until we talked about it earlier because... It just has that, I mean, all of that element. I mean, is Gordon just crazy? Yeah. Period. Uh, but, I mean, you can make the case for a possession film because of the Session 9, because of all of that. And, I mean, maybe that the fact the movie's called Session 9 should point yeah. you in that direction, that right. it is a possession film, that there's something bigger going on there. Um, is it a different kind of crazy instead of just, 
Gordon's just going nuts because of stress and his baby won't sleep. Is it because of the chemicals that they're trying to clean up? I mean, that stuff can make you go nuts. And yes, they make a lar- they make a large point that they always it's like, why aren't you wearing your mask? Well, I ain't wearing my mask because of this, and why I'm not wearing my mask. Why did you take a shower? Right? Why yeah. Why aren't you doing this? Yeah. And it's just like, man, you're working around these asbestos and these chemicals. And and at one point, I think Josh Lucas even talks about how the spores get into your lungs and the tissue grows around it. And I mean, like, there's a lot going on, and you don't understand for a while what's going on well then even too they make the point against possession when old boy who's supposed to be the lawyer starts talking about the cases of fake satanic ritual activity so this movie i'm telling you the second time around i really had such a bigger appreciation for this movie because you start picking up Very on those layers. things well, yeah, that, it, layer, it, yeah, that, it, that it is layered that it consciously tries to contradict itself mm-hmm. throughout the film to keep you guessing yeah. Here's what I take from it is that oh here for, comes the expert. For, no, I just my uh, my way of viewing it is and and the recording you hear at the end of the film is like the little bow tie on top talking about preying on the weak one, the the person who's in the worst shape. Yeah, that guy's and down on his luck. Like he is a train wreck. And from the minute they take the deal, he he kills his family. That's how he starts that weekend or whatever. Basically from there. And that's how I view it, is this person, this recording talking about, you know, prey on the weak and do it, Gordon. Yeah, and I just feel like that's what's going on there, is I feel like he's possessed, not in the traditional sense of what we're used to watching in in movies, but that's what I took from it. Um, But the beauty of it is, is that you could take a lot of different views from it. I feel like there's a lot of, you know, variables and MacGuffins thrown in there that you don't even need the kind of help you know people just go wait and do you want to view it this way or that way and and i feel like there's enough there though to form a, a decision at the end of the film that you're happy enough with without it being too head scratching yeah match him um i definitely see it like it was definitely worth the watch that I gave to it, and it's definitely going to be worth me giving a second viewing to when I can give it more time, especially after talking and doing the things that we did here tonight. I want to I want to look at it with a different light so I can try to pick up on some things. Um, but guys, definitely definitely give it a watch, man. Track it down. Um, I'm not telling you this is the best movie ever. I don't say that about anything, but I mean it's definitely worth that watch, man. If you can get a hold of it, if you've never seen it, like like track it down, man. Check your video store. That scene, That's my final thought on pulling the stake out of the eye or whatever that was. Yeah, that was intense. Oh man, the lobotomy, lobotomy tool. Yeah, the lobotomy. Oh tool. yeah, 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 yeah. Just that really, that was kind of cool, man. Head. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was legit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just ask. Do you guys remember this back then at all? No, no, I don't either. So what I year? was just curious. Two thousand one. Oh man, no. And that's the thing. I'd never mm. heard of it. I wonder if it was just you know, weak distribution. Because I don't I understand no why this wouldn't have been, you know, something more on the radar of everybody. Especially, just... be, especially because of the cast they had with it. Because that was, I mean, I really, that was legit. I mean, that's a legit cast for that time. This isn't like a tasteless joke, but I wonder if it came out around September 11th. May have. And that kind of overshadowed it. Yeah. I just, I just, I just know, like I said, I couldn't track it down. And I had to borrow. Yeah. And that was one of the things that got me was that even with going out of store video, going out of rental video stores and things, 
I couldn't get a hold of one. Yeah. yeah. All right. Worth a watch. I'd say all three of them. I would tell you to watch all three of them. Absolutely. So, uh, I think that's it for the the third install. Oh wait, Mad Chan's doing weird finger things at yeah. me. He's, which is, he's making the sign like he's like no, ra- he's like he's like wrap it up, but he shakes his head. No, don't wrap <laughs> it up. And, and uh, so, I'm, guys, what we want to do real quick. I mean, that's it for the the monster mashup. But we want to remind you guys that we are on Facebook. We don't usually do this, but uh, we want you to come by Facebook and give us a like. And if you are listening to us on iTunes, leave us a comment. Uh, we want to interact with you. We want to hear what you have to say, especially now that we're doing the monster mashes. If there's anything you think that we need to see, interact with us on Twitter. We are at MidmonPod, you know, Midwest Monsters Podcast. You can look us up. We're at backslash or www.facebook.com backslash Midwest Monsters Podcast. Um, we want to hear what you guys have to say because we love interacting with you guys. And this is something we want to continue because there's a lot of film out there that we haven't seen and we haven't covered. And we want to know what you want to hear as the listener. And you are a large part of why we do this. Like, like we love to watch movies. And if you've got something that you think that we need to see or we need to review, we want to know about it. You can also email us, man, at MidwestMonstersPodcast at live.com. Very good. Well, I think uh, I don't have anything further to push than that. Check us out on iTunes. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. You're, 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 either, iTunes, you're, you're either listening to us on iTunes or you're listening to us on Mixcloud. And either uh, way, please yeah. leave, a, leave a comment. Stream us on Mixcloud or download us and take us with you wherever you go from the iTunes. So uh, for another episode of the Midwest Monsters, I am Grizzly Abner, and I'm joined by these dudes. Mad Jan. Pretty, pretty princess. We didn't even talk about the creepy voices on session nine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're oh, back here with we're back session nine. So yes, <laughs> good evening, ladies. And gentlemen. Princess, the princess voice. Mm-hmm. I like the way you did it, Billy. Billy, oh, Billy is so Billy. Yeah. Crazy. Why is it? Always, why is it always that? Like Black Christmas. Me, Billy. Me, Billy. <laughs> Billy, I'm horny. <laughs> Billy Madison. Yeah, <laughs> it's always Billy. It's You're always right. Billy, but but, uh, always but yeah, those voices. Oh man, we forgot to talk about that. It's creepy. Pretty uh, legit. Princess Billy is it Isaac. Was that the last Simon? One? Simon. That's it. Uh, yeah. So he's like, oh hey, I'm Billy. <laughs> it's a woman it's, doing the voice. It, it's really effective. I, I mean, was because you're here, just sitting and yeah. listening. I was sitting in the dark watching it last I night. I can't believe we were wrapping this show up. I can't believe we were wrapping this show up, and you just. We didn't even talk about the creepy voices, man. He tried to make a kindergarten <laughs> cop reference because he thinks he's on it like that. And boom, we got right back into session nine. Oh, but man. I just wanted to mention what the creepy voices. That's I'm a detective. This is his movie, man. This is a variant. <laughs> All right, I had a lot of fun on this one. All right. Bye, friends out there in Midwest Monsterland. Stay scary. Hugs and kisses. <laughs>